We're talking about expectations. And the, and the question we asked this morning is, have you ever had your expectations exceeded? And you know, one of the, the, the quick things that my friend was sharing with me up here was that he one time went to a restaurant and um, just the service, it was so unbelievable, was not getting good service. And so they went above and beyond the call to, to make everything nice. And you've ever been to a restaurant and you're like, man, my food's kind of getting cold. I once went to Chili's, Chili's out in Kapolei or something like that. And we were sitting there eating and the waitress was super friendly and nice. And we're eating and she would come by and check on us like all the time, and, which I think is really good, you know, ask if we need refills or whatever. But on her own, one of her like third trips checking on me came by with a side order of mashed potatoes and she said this, I notice you haven't eaten your mashed potatoes and they're probably cold by now. These are only good when they're really hot. Can I just trade you out? And I was like, what? Who does this? Where's my wallet? You're getting the biggest tip ever, you know? I'm sending your kids to college off of that one. That was amazing. But that's like your expectations are just exceeded. And what we're talking about today is there's so many times in our lives um, when we go into our relationship with God and we have our own set of expectations that actually end up limiting all that God wants to really do in our lives. You guys understand that? That sometimes we go in and we have a way and a time and we think it's supposed to happen like this and God's trying to go, I'm bigger than that. I'm better than that. I could blow your little stupid human ideas out of the water because I am your God who loves you and I want to bless you exceedingly abundantly beyond everything that you could dare hope, think, dream, or imagine. Amen? And so when we're talking about expectations this morning, on Palm Sunday, all those years ago, as Jesus rode into town on a donkey, all of his followers, all of the people, it was a big celebration. They were expecting something different than what actually happened a few days later when that guy that they welcomed into town actually ended up going to the cross and dying. Don't you think that was like a major like disappointment to them? Like, wait, we thought you were going to be this. So we're going to talk about expectations today. I'm going to share with you guys just to get your mind wrapped around um, what I mean by expectations and how God is capable of going far above our expectations. Um, when I was in my early 20s, and I don't even remember, I'm bad like this, and it's, I'll blame it on the Red Bull or whatever, but I don't remember the dates and the times, but um, in my early 20s when my wife got pregnant, you know, our first child, I remember the excitement that I had. Do you guys remember the excitement of your first kid? How many of you guys are parents in here and you can still remember when you first found out you were pregnant? And hopefully that was a good thing for most of you in here. And it was like, yes, and not like, oh my gosh, no. But for me, I just remember going, oh, this is so exciting. We're going to have a kid. And just how exciting that was. And instantly, I remember thanking God for my son that was about to come, right? And that's not what happened, right? But what happened was I already had expectations of what I expected God to do. And so I just, oh, God, thank you. You know what? The first one's going to be a son, God, because I said it and I prayed it. So you're going to make it a boy. Because I came from a family where it was boy, born first, myself, and my, my sister is a year and a half younger than me. And I thought, that worked out pretty good. You know, and you have the boy first. I can protect the sister and, you know, all of that stuff. It's a good dynamic. And I was just honestly, selfishly just going, now I get my little surf buddy and my little, you know, I can play ball with them and everything. And I was just going, Lord, thank you for my son you're about to give me. Right? And just the whole pregnancy, like, yes, God, I know it's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. A couple people had prophetic words, like, oh, you know what? God spoke, and you're going to have a healthy baby. I'm like, yes, girl. What? No, 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 no. You, you're not listening to God. It's going to be a boy. <laughs> I had my expectations, right? I told God what I needed, what I wanted. I prayed on it. That's what he's going to give me. And I remember when we, we went all the way, and then the baby was old enough. Let's check their sex. Let's do the uh, sonogram. Is that what it's called, right? Ultrasound. One of those. Now it's like 3D, 4D, 5D, you know, and it's like your kid's like, <laughs> right? It used to be just a little black and white, and now it looks like it's scary. But um, we found out the, the child's sex, and oh, you're going to have a daughter. And I was like, oh, are you sure? You know, now nah, those things are wrong, you know? And I kept praying all the way until birth. Like, no, they're wrong. They just, they didn't look hard enough. He may not be fully developed or whatever, you know? Like, <laughs> it's going to be a boy, you know? And I held out all the way. And even when she was born, you know, that, that moment that changes your life when you see a human coming out of a human. <laughs> How can you not believe in God? You know, I literally, I was just, I remember crying and just going, oh my gosh, God, you are so real. There's no way that could have randomly just kind of happened on its own. That is, God, you are amazing. And, and I remember the baby coming out and it's Kylie, our firstborn, our daughter. And I remember honestly being so blessed and excited and encouraged but let me tell you a little insight. Honestly, a little disappointed. Why? Because I was expecting a boy. 
because I prayed for a boy, because I was asking for a boy. And what I found as I welcomed this new little girl into my arms is something changed in me. My expectation wasn't met, but it was bettered. And what God showed me is I was more blessed personally. I and mean, we all have different kids at different times. But personally, God needed to give me the girl first because he taught me so much in, in sensitivity and in understanding a little girl and the, the heart of a dad for a little girl and the, the little girl for her father. I needed that. I would have been so stoked on the boy that if I would have had girls after, I would have ignored them. I, I honestly believe that about myself because I was so caught up in the boy, the boy, the boy thing that I think I would have been too wrapped up in that. And I think God did something special to give me a love for a daughter, for a little girl. And man, I'm so proud of her. Friday night, I, I skipped church. I had Pastor Tom preach because I had to go down to Kamehameha School's song contest at the Blaisdell because my daughter, freshman class, representing color purple, you know, she did her deal. And, you know, of course she's a freshman, so they don't win anything ever, really. <laughs> you know, the seniors like swept everything or whatever, but that's fine, they were good. But I was just proud because of that little girl that God gave me that he changed my expectations. Then in a way I was disappointed, but then what he showed me was, my ways are better than your ways, Carl. And you fell in love with that little girl and you know how to love her. So when the boy come, came along, it's all good and you're happy and you had that. But aren't you glad that I gave you the girl first? And then we thought we were so happy for years with one girl, one boy. And then along came Sammy. <laughs> oh no, and changed everything again, expectation levels. But it's so exciting, but it's so neat that God taught me that day that the things that I expect aren't always what's best for my life. And the way that we view Jesus and, and as we walk out this life with him, there's times when we're going to be disappointed because he didn't do what we thought he was supposed to do, right? We tell him his business and then we come to find out that he was better and he exceeded our expectations. And so I want us to, as Christians in our lives to kind of go into life putting away expectations. I guess that's kind of the summary of my sermon today is getting rid of expectations, just relying on God. And as we go into our fasting time, I know we listed, these are the two things I want to see happen. But then we go, God, however you choose to do those, whenever you choose to do those, that's up to you. I want to see you go far and above whatever I, I could think about the situation. You just be God and you just do what you do. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm in this relationship. Amen? It's not about us. So this is what we're going to be talking about today is these expectations. So here is what the picture I want to paint for you guys, the triumphal entry. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. 2,000 years ago, this is before, this is the start of the Passion Week. This is when a few days later, he's actually going to be arrested and murdered, put on that cross and crucified. But up until then, he's coming in and goes, I'm going into Jerusalem, the capital city of this holy nation that is my people. And I'm basically going to announce and let them know, yes, I am the long-awaited Messiah. And everybody's going to know I'm here to do what I came to do. And they, up until this point, they're thinking, you know what, all the prophecies over all of the years, all of those 400 plus prophecies about his birth, about his life, about his, his death and resurrection and all that. Man, this, this is the guy. And so they're all getting excited and they're like, this is actually happening right now. He's coming into town and, and the expectation, the excitement was like, oh my gosh, he's going to overthrow the Roman government. He's going to set the world straight. He's going to usher in the new kingdom of heaven. These people were excited. Let's read the account in John chapter 12, verse 12 to 17. It says this. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the whole city. A large crowd of Passover visitors, they were celebrating the Passover feast, they were all in town. They took palm branches and they went down the road to meet him. Palm branches would signify a, a celebration and a victory and they're just like, yay, it's party, it's victory. And so they were waving these palm branches and they're throwing them on the ground before Jesus said they got all these palm branches, went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, Hosanna. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. They're just like, this is the guy. This is the prophet. This is, this is Jesus. He possibly could be the Messiah, the son of God. They're all excited. It says, Jesus found a young donkey and he rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. The sim symbolism behind the donkey's colt was that if you're a conquering, warring king, you came in and we conquered and we beat, you come in on a war horse. But if you're coming as the Prince of Peace, the one that's going to set the world at peace, and you come in riding a lowly, humble donkey. And so all of the symbolism is just 
flaring at these people. They realize, wow, he's on a donkey. Oh my gosh, this is the Messiah. People said he was coming. He was going to come like this. This is incredible. Look at verse 16. It says, his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, after he died, resurrected, ascended back to heaven, then they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead. Jesus had just come from raising Lazarus from the dead. So you got all these people just going, oh, this guy just raised a man from the dead. What now? This is, oh my gosh, what next? And they had all these expectations. It says they were telling others about it. So there was others there, didn't see the miracle, but they heard stuff and they're just there going, really? This guy works miracles? What else? So everyone, you got to really set the tone and see everyone has got this expectation, this anxiety of like, what in the world? Who is this guy? He's coming in. This is the moment. And it says, um, they, uh, where are we? verse 18, that was the reason so many went out to meet him because they'd heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing that we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Even his enemies are going, something big is happening right now. I mean, it could be that you come to God, like even like the Pharisees, you come to God going, you know, what? I'm, I'm here today and um, I don't really believe in this God stuff, but there's so much hype and buzz my friends are talking about. Uh, and I'm not really into it at all. Don't try to convert me, but I just, I'm curious to see what's going on. There may be people in, in church like that. There may be people that are kind of like some of these people. We'd seen a miracle. We heard about them. We know a little bit and we're here because we want to know more. Maybe you came to church this morning because an experience in your life or, or something that's miraculous that you can't explain. I know someone that came to, to Christ because they were in a crazy auto accident where the car was totaled and somehow they walked away and they looked back and they just went, how did that happen Someone is watching out for me. And they came to church and they found Jesus. They found out that it was God that protected him for that. There may be something that happened in your life. You saw a miracle. You saw healing. And so you're coming to church or you're, you're coming to God and you're going, what else is there? And you've got expectations of your own. Or maybe you've just heard through someone else. Maybe you got brought to church here today by a friend that said, you know, let me tell you about God. God done some stuff in my life. I believe in this place where we're trying to touch the world. Jesus is real. He's a living God. It's not religion. It's all real. And maybe you're that friend that came today. Or you're seeking God because something happened to my friends. I heard about it. I heard that this God did something and you're just seeking. But all of us, even the disciples, it said, the full-on followers of Jesus Christ, we come with expectations in our walk every day, don't we? We have expectations of who God is and what he's going to do in our life. We come to church, we have some expectations. Well, what I want to talk about today is even those of us that are full-on followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, the more that we get our expectations out of the way, there is still room for God to blow our minds. Amen? You've been following Jesus Christ for 30 years, 40 years. I don't know how long. You know, you may be someone in here. You know him for a long time. You have your expectations. Well, God can do this. He can do that. Well, I'm going to submit to you today that the more we get rid of our own expectations, just let God be God and trust him. He still has the power to blow your mind even to this day. I read all those praise reports and, and the prayer requests that come in and all the cards that you guys fill out every week. And someone types them all up on email and we, we read through them all. And I look at all the miracles that are still happening. And every week when I read that, I'm still like, wow. I thought I knew God and I thought I knew what he could do. And he just went beyond it. He just did something else. He healed someone of cancer. He brought someone's marriage back from divorce to remarriage. And now they're serving God and they're loving him. How is that possible? These people were kicked out of their house, evicted. And now God provided for them a bigger, better place for cheaper money. What in the world? Our God is a mighty God. Amen? And so the, the thing about today is we're talking about is these expectations and how we got to get rid of our own expectations. Um, the wrong expectations of these people here this day turned their cries of Hosanna, praise God, into a few days later, crucify him. Wrong expectations can rob you of blessings. And I think that's what I want to talk about today. Our wrong expectations can actually cause us to miss the blessings that God has for us. And so we need to be quick to understand God, what are my expectations of you moving in my life as I go into this fast today and I'm seeking you and I'm praying, what expectations do I have that might actually be limiting what you want to do in my life? And so we're going to talk a little bit about our own personal expectations and some of the ways that we have wrong expectations. So if you got your notes out, this is where I wrote my expectations. And I want you to look at Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 7 in the message version. I usually read it in the NLT or the, the NIV, but I, I came across the message version. I just like how it, it describes how my expectations are wrong sometimes. It says this, trust God from the bottom of your heart. 
Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you know it all. Isn't that such a great line? Don't assume that you know it all. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Write this down. Don't let your assumptions limit God's ability. Don't let your assumptions limit God's ability. That means sometimes we expect stuff from God, we think we know it all, so we do this to God. God, I'm praying, I'm seeking you, and I'm asking you to act, and here's, here's the different ways, the list that I have of options for you to take, God. You can either do it this way, or you can do it this way, or if you'd like to do it this way, yeah, I mean, that's possible, you're God, so you can probably do that one too. And even if you wanna get really crazy, God, you could probably even do it that way, right? And we give them these lists of options because we assume we know it all and we know how God can act and we do all of that. And what I'm trying to get into your hearts today is we need to get rid of our assumptions and our expectations so that God and his ability and his power can go beyond anything and we're never boxing God in. Is that good? And so this is what we're, we're talking about this morning is I don't want to think I got it all figured out or I assume that I know it all because um, what I'm really doing when I have like weak faith like that, I don't necessarily limit God's power. Because God is infinite power and he can do whatever he wants in my life. But you know what I, I limit? Is I limit my ability to receive from God. You guys understand that? When you have weak faith and you have expectations of your own and all that, you're basically saying, God, I want you to, to fill me up like this. And God goes, really? That's, that's all I can give you then because that's all you're believing me for. But when you go, God, just fill me up and do whatever you want, then God can just go, and I don't want to be someone that with my expectations, I'm limiting what God can do for me. He can do whatever he wants to do, but I'm already believing that he can only do this much, so he can only give me that much. Does that make sense? And he can choose to do whatever he wants, but I, I, my assumptions and my expectations would get in his way sometimes. It's like I've recently been practicing learning to receive the full power of compliments. Can anybody relate to that when someone gives you a compliment and it's your first intention and it's kind of Hawaii culture too that we're like, oh, no, 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 that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. Anybody, can you relate to that when someone tries to give you a compliment and you just go, I think you're an amazing person, you are awesome, you're living your life and you're just like, no, 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 I got a lot of faults, I'm this, I'm that. No, 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 no. You know what you're doing right there? You're robbing that person, you're robbing God of giving you the full blessing that was intended for you. You're robbing yourself of accepting the full compliment that could have just changed your whole day, encouraged you, it boosted your self-esteem, all that. Or someone wants to give you a gift. Recently, someone gave me a gift and it was like a check and I was like, what? what? That's crazy. You know, I was like, happy birthday, Pastor Carl. This I'm like, no, no, I don't need that. And then one of my friends on staff said, no, you better receive that because that's a blessing that was intended for you. That person will be bummed out. God will be bummed out if you don't take what you're expected to receive when God's trying to give you something. And sometimes when we put our own expectations in the picture, it's a lot less than what God is actually trying to give us and we limit our ability to receive blessing. Does that make sense? And so we don't wanna be about that. We wanna get rid of expectations. So here's some of the wrong things I believe that we do um, wrong expectations we have when we put on God. Here's, write the first one down. I got about three of them right here. Wrong expectations. Number one would be my way. Wrong expectation that God is gonna answer whatever you're asking for in your way, in my way. God, here's, here's my wrong expectation that everything's gonna happen my way. And write this down next to it. This is sometimes when we have the right heart, but the wrong idea. Right heart, wrong idea. Here's what I mean by that. Matthew 16, 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. He already had told them, this is gonna happen to me when I go to Jerusalem, but they didn't wanna hear that stuff, right? They, and so and to the point where Peter, it says in verse 22, Peter heard Jesus say this, and it says, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him. Can you imagine, Peter, the, the guts that he must have had to take Jesus Christ aside and go, hey, buddy, come here. Let me correct you on a few things. You're wrong, right? And he's taking Jesus on the side. Hey, don't talk about your death. Don't talk about your suffering. I, I need to tell you something. And he goes in and says he reprimanded him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And then Jesus, of course, turns to Peter in that classic line, and he says, what did he say? Get behind me, Satan, you know? And I just, I just love that, because it's so harsh, but it's so real, is that he goes, get away from me, Satan, you're a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. 
You know, in other words, Peter, he had the right heart. I love my Jesus. Don't talk about dying. Don't do that. But he had the wrong idea. And what I believe this is talking to is our expectations of God sometimes are my way. God, I have the right heart I'm expecting from you, but I want you to do it my way. And we have the wrong idea. And so we, we go about it all, all wrong. In my life, I, I can attest to this, is when I was 14 or 16 years old or something, I went to a youth camp and I got touched by the Holy Spirit. And by touched, I mean there was like an electrifying thing in my body during worship and God kind of spoke thoughts into my mind that I wasn't ever thinking before about Carl, you're going to serve me full-time. You're going to go into full-time ministry. And I was a young kid, and Pastor Tom was there, and he got the same calling at the same time. And we knew God was calling us to do big things with our lives for him. And then I went through the high school years and ups and downs and all that, but always in the back of my mind holding on. And I started pursuing that. And this is what I told God, I remember at that time, and throughout the years as I, as I grew in him, is, God, I'm here to serve you. I'm all in. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. I just don't ever want to be a senior pastor of a church. If, if I, as long as I don't have to do that, I'm all in for you. And this is what I mean by the my way and the expectations is we sometimes we have the right heart but the wrong idea. That my heart was right. God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to step out. I'm going to be in ministry. I'm going to do all of this. But then I had the wrong idea which said, but I'm going to limit you, God. Just don't put me in that position, right? And I had the right heart and the wrong idea. And somewhere along the line, you know, I just, basically the talk was like this. God, I'm going to serve you. I don't want to be a senior pastor. And God said, okay, start doing my business. Start getting equipped. Go to Bible college. Go get involved in ministry. Do all this. I'm like, yeah, awesome. This is good. Start walking out my ministry, a youth pastor, all that. Then it comes to a day when we're having a talk in the parking lot with my dad. And basically, it's when God goes, you've been serving me well. You've been giving me your whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And God goes, now it's time for you to be a senior pastor. Wait, what? You know, and it was the preparation process of me having the right heart to do the things of God, but the wrong idea in saying, you know, I, I really want to do this thing. And Peter going, Lord, we love you. My right heart is saying you're not going to die. But the wrong idea was he didn't understand that God is going to do something differently. So don't put expectations on God that's going to limit him. Am, am, I, am I getting clear to you guys? We do that to him sometimes. Even with the right motive, we limit what God is trying to do because we actually have the wrong idea. It doesn't line up. I think a lot of time we act on emotion and we don't use wisdom. We make decisions and God's moving us and so we're all excited. I talked to someone this week that, that knows a friend that is so into seeking God and going to all of these Christian retreats and going to all of these, hearing a different speaker every night and looking for revival and going to, to Israel and doing all of that at the expense of really portraying Jesus to her own kids. She's so caught up in the right heart with serve, serve God and seek God and go, go after God so much that her very own kids, that she has the power to change their lives, she's neglecting them, she judges them, you're going to hell, you guys are sinners, you're this, you're that, I need to go and seek God. And I just think, man, you got it backwards. You have a right heart to seek God, but you got the wrong idea over here. Does that make sense? So our expectations got to be all lined up with what God has for us. So that would be the my way type of thinking is we don't just want to have good ideas, we want to have God ideas. Even at our church, you know we're doing some things differently. Someone told me the other day, hey, I can't find you on the radio anymore. I'm not on the radio anymore. I'm not on TV anymore. You know why? Because it was a good idea. It wasn't a God idea. When we prayed into it and we realized the amount of money that it costs to put us, pastors from our church, on the radio and on TV, and here's what we found. Pretty much every single person that we talked to that's ever heard me on the radio already goes to church whether this church or another church. You know what we're doing? We're spending tons of money to feed people that are already getting fed. And I just want to be about bringing new people into the kingdom. It is, I've, I would say it's rare, but I've never heard of anybody that said, I was a non-Christian who was so interested and excited about listening to Christian radio that I started listening to Christian radio and I heard you and I got saved. All I ever hear is people that are already in church. So here's our way of thinking, and it, right or wrong, this is what God has put in our hearts, is we want to have the, the God idea, not the good idea. The good idea is lots of people, oh, I love listening to you on, on the radio or on TV. Cool, you go to church? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I was hoping that non-Christians would find Jesus through that outreach. If I'm going to be spending that kind of money, I want to be spending it on ways that we're reaching out to the unchurched that aren't in the family of God yet so that we can invite them in and we can change their lives. Does that make sense? So that's just a decision I'm saying for us. Another thing we do, we spend a lot of money here on bulletins. 
that you guys have, and you leave right in the back of that seat when you walk out the door here today, right? We're doing away. We're going paperless with our bulletins. We're, we're, we're going to do everything by smartphones, by the website, by emails, by everything that we do, because thousands of dollars are being wasted that could be going to bringing people to Jesus because we want you to be able to read along with whatever, and then we just leave them in the back of the seats. So we're going, that's kind of a good idea to have a bulletin, but it's not a good, good idea. We have the right heart in what we're doing. It's not a God idea. We want to go the, the right heart and the right idea. Does that make sense, guys? So there's ways in our lives that we can expect things from God, even with the right heart but the wrong idea. Here's the second thing that we do it wrong is our timing. We want God to work in our time, not in his time. We really have the right idea that God is going to work, but then we don't trust the timing. So this one would be right idea, wrong timing. Habakkuk 2, 2, and 3 says, God answered, write this, write what you see. He gave Habakkuk a vision, a message from him. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. The vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for, for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, then wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. There's times in our lives when we have expectations of God, and it's based on our timing. God, I'm praying for this. I want it to happen. And guess what, God? I want it to happen right now. And God's going, well, you know what? There's something I want. No, 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 God. I want it to happen right now. Don't have that expectation on God. Let God work things in his timing because his timing is perfect. If it seems too long, sometimes there's a reason why it's long and you have to wait because God is working in the waiting. Amen? That he's doing something in you while you're having to wait because his timing is better. I was reading in Genesis this morning. I was reading about Jacob and there was a time that Jacob uh, wrestled the angel of God. Do you guys remember that time? He actually wrestled all night long. And it says, Daybreak was approaching, and the man of God knew that Jacob wasn't going to let go until he received a blessing from him. He's holding on, holding on, holding on, he's fighting, he's wrestling with him, and so he puts his hip out of joint, right? The angel just like dislocates his hips, and he's like, get off of me, right? And Jacob kept holding on, kept fighting him, because he goes, no, I want you to bless me. And there's this cool, I got the, the Bible verse already, there's this cool verse that he says right here, and it says, um... The man of God said, let me go for dawn's breaking. Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What's your name? The, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. And this is what he says. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. And here's what I see in there. There is times when in order to get the blessing, it is necessary to fight with God and with man that you have to go through the battle before you can get the blessing, that it takes a while, and we come in with wrong expectations, they go, they go, God, I'm seeking you, answer me right now. And God goes, no, I want you to fight for this one. I want you to do something, because what's happening in that time while you're fighting and you're battling it out is I'm building character in you. I'm building persistence and endurance and perseverance. So I want to just tell you that to encourage you this morning. If you're sitting here right now going, man, I'm, I'm, I've been struggling with this for a while. I feel like I'm wrestling. I feel like it's a battle. When is, when's it going to get over? Guess what? I'm in that same boat, guys, but I know that my God is faithful. And if I trust his timing and stop putting the expectations of my timing on me, that when I get the blessing, it's going to be the best blessing that was possible because I had to battle my way, fight against God and man for that blessing. Does that make sense? Does that encourage anybody in the room here today? That you keep fighting that good fight because God's timing is going to be perfect for you. And when it's all said and done, you're going to look back and go, I'm so glad I didn't get it earlier. I'm so glad I had to wait and I had to fight through that one. Amen? So we're going to, we're going to hold on to God's timing. Let's not go on our own timing. Here's the third thing that's a bad expectation on, on our own is that we have the right timing but the wrong heart. What I mean by that is God sets everything up. He calls you to something. He puts it right in front of you. But you have doubt or you have a hard heart or you have bitterness, or you have just your own selfish motives that would say, God, I know you've, won you've wanted to do this. It's right here. It's right in front of my face. But nah, you know what? I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do that. Look at what it says in the book of Jonah, Jonah 1, 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. He goes, Jonah, hey, you, right here, right now, go speak to that city of Nineveh. Tell them to repent, and I might possibly save them. Go do this awesome thing I'm calling you to do right now. And here's how Jonah responds. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction <laughs> to, 
to get away from the Lord. He goes, yeah, right timing. Everything was right. He knew the idea. God spoke to him right here. Go, Jonah. And Jonah, in his heart, goes, no way. You got the wrong guy. And he ran away. It says he ran down to the um, port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, bought a ticket, and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. What might happen in your life this week this might be the week, the right timing for God to speak to you when you're fasting and you're seeking and you're praying. And he might tell you, you know what, Carl, right now is the time that you need to go make that relationship right with that person over here. Or you know what, Carl, right now I'm giving you a higher calling. I'm asking you to step up into something and to go further. And that I have the option and I have the choice to go, yes, God, proper timing. My heart's right. I'm going to obey. Or I could be like Jonah and go, you know what? I know you're calling me. This is the time. This is the place. But you know what? I'm not feeling it because I don't think I'm the guy. Or you know what? You want me to go patch things up with that relationship? No, God. God's going, no, I'm bringing this right now to resolution if you will only humble yourself and apologize and repent to that person. And what do we do? Wrong heart, hard-hearted, stubborn. No way. They have to apologize to me, so I'm not going to do it. There's times with the wrong expectation, we miss what God's trying to do because our heart isn't right, even though the timing is right. You guys, anybody can relate to that one in here? I think I've been there so many times. One time I went to pray for a guy, my wife and I, that was on drugs and he was using, he was using, he was, a, he was addicted, he was just, he was choosing to do it. And he goes, I want to be free of drugs. I said, okay, are you willing to do whatever it takes to be free of drugs? That means God's not just going to automatically do something for you. You have to choose not to hang out with your friends that are dealing. You have to choose to, to say no and every day ask for strength of the Holy Spirit. You have to live your life so you're not around that element. Are you absolutely willing to, after we pray for you, not go out and turn to drugs to make you feel good the next time that life beats you up? And he goes, no. I'm not. I said, okay, then God's not going to give it to you unless you're willing to do your part and you're at the, part, the point where your heart is fully surrendered to say, okay, God. Because even if God brings it to you and here's your chance to receive prayer for God to do something in your, in your life, if your heart is still saying, but I still really like to do drugs and I'm probably still going to do it, then the blessing isn't going to come. Does that make sense? That we got to make sure that we're ready, even if the timing is right, that our heart is ready to fully receive and to act on it. Um, it's got to be that right heart. So look at your notes. And the next point I put in here is let God go beyond my expectations is that I want him to take me beyond what I would expect. And, and really what I'm saying here today is we need to get rid of a lot of our expectations that we put on God. And we need to just kind of be open to him. Isaiah 55 verses eight and nine. This is God speaking. I love, I love this verse. He says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. In other words, get used to it. I'm God, you're not, right? My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Um, and this is how I take it to me to my own life, is I need to stop, stop expecting God to do something in my life and expect him to do anything. And to me, there's a big difference between something and anything. Because when I expect God to do something, usually I have a few somethings in mind, right? That list, God, I expect you to do this, so you're probably gonna do this, 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 or this. You're gonna do something, but it's some tangible thing. It's different when I go, no, I'm not gonna expect God to do something. I'm gonna expect God could do anything that I just don't even know what he's going to do. And if I can live my life through blind faith like that, of going, it's a little scary, but God, I'm not going to give you a list of how you can operate in my life. I'm just going to expect that you're going to do anything you want to do. And it could be that you do nothing that has to do with the prayer that I'm asking for because it's not even the right timing for me to receive something. So there's, there's just this thought that says, God's smarter, he's bigger, he's better, and I want to leave it all up to him and not try to tell him what to do, not try to be about his job. So there's three things I want to say about having expectations that go beyond your expectations. Is number one is have the right heart where you're just open, you're excited, you've got a holy anxiousness to the things of God and what he's going to do in your life. Hebrews um, 10, 21 says, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts that are fully trusting him. That means 
Pastor Tom was sharing me, with me someone that was in his mini church the other week who's excited about fasting for the first time, never done it before, kind of a newer Christian. And, and the guy basically said this, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be good and God is going to reveal himself to me in fasting. I don't know what, what's going to happen, but God's going to be in it, so it's going to be real good. And I always look at it like this is, uh, God gave me this, this illustration, this picture. He always uses my kids to teach me lessons about him. Like it, the, the kind of the deal, like where I'm the kid, you know, and, and um, God is like the dad. But there's one time when my son was like a year and a half old or something. He was old enough to be standing and walking and kind of talking, you know, and whatnot. And we lived at a place that had a pool. And so I remember we went down to the pool one day and he's all fired up. He sees the water. He's all excited. Little Isaac. And he was, we called him like eyeballs back then because he had these huge eyeballs. He was like, you know, humongous eyeballs. And he just had these big eyes and this big smile and just the cutest little kid, curly hair. And I go down, I jump in the pool and I'm going to grab him off the side, right? To like let him swim with me and everything like that. He's so excited. He's so fired up. Dad's in the water already that I just had jumped in the pool, had my back turned. And he just jumps right in the pool after me, right? No fear. And Kanani's all, girl, she's on the thing, grab him. And I turn around and I'm looking. And all this is all we see, her from on top and me in the water looking down. All we see are just eyeballs looking up, right? <laughs> With a big smile on his face. And he's just like this. <laughs> As he's just sinking down under the water. He's going deeper and he's just like, yeah, right? And what this is, is this picture of basically, to me, it's saying this, if I can get my walk of faith to be something like this, where I'm willing to jump in, and even if I'm over my head and it seems that I'm drowning, my dad's in here. My father's in the water with me. He's right here, and I'm jumping to him. And so you know what? He doesn't even know he's in a bad place. I grabbed him, scooped him up out of the water. He wasn't like, oh my gosh, I almost died, right? He's a little kid. He's just excited. He didn't even notice. And see, what we need to have is a heart that would say, God, I'm expecting of you, but you do whatever you want. And my life may look like I'm drowning or whatever, but I'm still smiling because you're in this pool here with me. You got me. And I'm jumping to you. And I don't even need to worry about that stuff. My expectations are out the window because all I expect is that I have a loving Heavenly Father that's going to walk me through any circumstance, difficulty. I can wear a smile on my face with my eyeballs and just know my dad's in control. Amen? So I want that kind of a heart of expectation is, Never mind all those people thinking triumphant entry, Jesus is coming, he's going to do all that. Uh, Jesus took all of that and he goes, guess what? I'm not going to be an earthly king. I'm going to be an eternal heavenly king. And guess what? I didn't just come for the Jews. That's what you guys thought. I came for all men so that everybody could know me. And you know what? I'm not just here to overthrow the Roman government. I'm actually going to let the Romans have their way with you and persecute you because you know what's going to happen? That's going to drive my gospel message out to the rest of the world because you guys are going to get persecuted and it's going to spread to everybody everywhere. So God, Jesus, in all of his expectations, people go, oh, he didn't do it the way I wanted. But what he did was a million times better, wasn't it? And that we live and reap the benefits to this day because people's expectations were disappointed because they weren't focusing on what God could possibly do. And I want to be that little kid underwater just going, God, you just do whatever you need to do. You're in there. Here's the second thing about having um, right expectations is you need to have the right idea. Simply this, the, the right idea. God has all the answers, and I'm not God. Just write that one down. Remind yourself, God has all the answers. That's the right motive. That's the right idea. God has the answers, and I'm not God. And it's very scary to put yourself in that place where you're not in control and you're not calling the shots. It's scary because it's unknown, but you know why it's more scary, life in Christ and really living a life of faith? This is why it's scary to me. God believes in me more than I believe in myself. That means he's gonna put me in situations that I don't think I can handle, but he knows who I am. He believes in me. He's my greatest fan. He's cheering me on. He wants to better my life by stretching me, by challenging me, and that scares the heck out of me. Anybody can relate to that? God calls you to do things and you're like, no, I'm not there. I'm not ready. I'm not, I don't want to. And God's going, guess what? I believe in you more than you believe in yourself. So I'm going to take you to places that are scary, but that's the best life possible because I know what happens. I know what happens in the end. I've seen the whole motion picture. All you're looking at is one still frame and it looks like it's the trouble scene, right? And God's going, I've seen the whole movie. movie. Trust me, you win in the end, but do it my way. And so that we would have this this. Right idea that, God, you hold all, all the answers. I've been feeling in my life a little bit overwhelmed lately. I don't know if anybody can relay. Stuff's going on. You feel like you're getting hit and blasted at every angle. And you're just like, can I actually do this, God? Am I the right guy? Did you choose me wrong? Like, what, what is going on? 
but then I know that my God is in control and he's smarter than me and I can't look at myself and think, am I up to the task? I gotta look through God's eyes that say, I created you, you're far and above the task. I, I can't wait to bless your life. Look what Ephesians 3.20 says. In the Amplified Version, it says, now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, he's able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. We gotta recognize that God's way is best even if it wasn't one of my options, right? Here's, here's my options for you, God. You can do any of these things. And God's going, no, put that away. I'm gonna do something else and my way is best and it wasn't even one of your options. Because we gotta be able to trust that God is king. He has all the answers and I do not. The third thing is this. You gotta have the right timing. You gotta trust the timing. It might seem like things that you're, you're seeking after are, are going too fast or they're taking too long. Either way, you gotta have, have the right timing that says, but God's timing is always perfect. That he knows what he's doing and he's gonna come through, not on my, my timing. Uh, Psalm 31 verses 14 and 15 says this in the New King James Version. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. In other words, all the, the timing of things that's going on in my life, it's in your hand. The other day, um, yesterday, I was driving down the road and someone was pulling out of Safeway or something in a Jeep and they pulled out like right in front of me. I had to slam the brakes. I almost got into an auto accident. I almost hit them because they thought that they had enough time and they just jumped it and they pushed it. And I almost got into a full wreck and I was like just shouting awesome blessings at them as they drove by. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That was amazing. You're so godly and awesome. You know, so I was saying something, but I was driving down there and I was like, what? can't believe you did that. But here's what I know. Timing is everything, and it's crucial to our lives. That there's times when we can absolutely wreck our lives if our timing isn't impeccable. What I mean by that is, have you ever been the person that's like trying to pull out into traffic or something, and you can't see over there because there's like a passenger in your seat, or you're around a corner, so you have to rely on the passenger to go, hey, is it clear? Is it clear? Can I, can I go now? Can I go now? Anybody relate to that? Happens a lot, right? When you're just, sometimes you don't have view and you're asking someone else, hey, is it clear, is it clear? And you're listening intently for a couple words, right? You're listening for, wait, 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 go now, go now, and you're like, whoa, you know? You're, you're listening because you know that if you go too early, you could get smashed. You go too late, you could get smashed. So you're, all of your faith in you getting into traffic safely is on that person and you're listening to the, wait, 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 go, go, no, no, wait, 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 you know? Don't you hate that when they do that to you? You're like, Oh, open your eyes, you know, like, wait, 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 go now. And you go and you made, oh, safely, I got there. But here's what I think in our lives is God's timing. We need to be always listening to him because he's the one that's telling us, hey, wait, Carl, just wait. I'm going to work that one out for you, but hold on. Don't rush in. You're going to mess things up. Just wait. Just wait for the opening. Okay, you know what? Go now. Carl, I said, go now. Stop holding on. Stop waiting. Stop lagging. There's times when he's going, now you got to get in there. And my timing is always critical and it's always perfect. So we need to be listening for those wait and go now moments. Amen? His timing is always impeccable. It's always perfect. And basically the life of expectation as I look at this is described in what my friend was describing to me the other night about her African safari. I'm going to end with this because I think it's such a cool vision and, and description of the expectations that we should have on God or the lack of is she said she went on an African safari a couple years ago and um, there was only four people that went. She didn't know anybody. She just said, I need to get out of the United States and of my world and everything that I know and I need to go somewhere so foreign, so different that I can just be alone and I can just take a break from everything that I know. And so she went to the safari thing. It was like two weeks long, 14 days long. And they would go out in the bush in the desert and whatever for like three days at a time. And then they would stop and go back to a hotel to kind of take a break. It was like a nice pampered one, right? For like us lazy Americans or whatever, you know. You go out there and you experience it, but you get to take a little bit of a break. So they would do this. But she said, while she was out there, she learned to depend on other people because she's in a totally foreign environment. There's literally National Geographic Discovery Channel animals out there, like lions that are out there. She's thinking, oh, Lion King. And she says, these things are ugly. They're gnarly. There's flies coming out. There's like drool and mange. And they're just like all about tearing stuff up and eating it, right? And she goes, it was 
frightening, it was overwhelming, but there's like giraffes, there's rhinos, there's snakes and all that. She was just blown away, these crazy monkeys and all this stuff. And she said, as she was out there, it was so foreign to her that she learned to rely on her guides who were Maasai warriors, you know, like those really tall, skinny black guys with the spears and the knives and they're just like ready for the elements. They're in there, they're the locals, right? And she goes, I had to rely on them because they knew everything and they were protecting us. And there was one guy that was on the trip too with her and he had like a rifle and he had a handgun, he was a hunter. So she, she's like, for all of my safety every night, the only chance that I would like feel comfortable sleeping because all I'm in is a little tent, right? Is I had to rely, I would tell that one of the Maasai warriors, hey, you stand right in front of my tent all night long. And he's like, okay, you know, he was a spear and he's there standing guard. The only way she could sleep was she depended on someone else that was smarter, bigger, faster, that knew the elements that could guard her. And she says that there's times when she would be eating lunch or whatever, thinking, oh, these little monkeys are cute, they're cool, I'm gonna feed them. And then it would have to take the guide or the, the hunter come along and say, you know what? That monkey can bite your finger off. He can like crush your skull right They're way stronger than you think they are. Do not feed the monkeys. And oh my gosh. So there's stuff she's learning and having to trust like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. My expectations, I better just shut up and trust these guys. And she said that there's a time when the rover broke down out there in the jungle. And they're like, okay, well, let's walk. And she's like, walk, are you kidding me? There's lions over there. And she had to absolutely trust for survival for her life because these lions, these animals could just come in and tear her apart. And in fact, one time she said she was, she was walking and you know, her expectation is real different. So she had her sunglasses on and everything and she's walking and someone said, oh, there's a spitting cobra. And the cobras, you know, they spit the poison and it gets in your eyes and it blinds you and stuff. And so she walked over and she goes like this with her glasses, where? <laughs> Listen, and it's like her perception, her assumptions, her expectations are totally different. The guys all put your glasses back on, right? They can spit right in your eye. And it's like, everything's different. She thought, her expectation is, I'm going to follow the guy with the gun because that's where I'll be safest, right? So she said the guy would w walk out and she'd be like right behind him. Just like following him everywhere, right? If I stay closest to the guy with the gun, I'm safe. And you know what the guy said after two days of her like just being right on his back? She, she said that the guy actually said this, you know what? You actually need to walk a little ways behind me. You're going to be a lot safer. She's like, no, you have the gun. There's lions. I need to be by you. And he actually said this. He goes, you know what happens when we walk through the brush? is I'll walk through first and it startles the creature and I've walked by by the time they come up and they swing or they bite and they get you because you're right behind me. She's like, really? He goes, yeah, so for your safety, you actually need to walk a little bit behind so that if I startle anything and it rises up, you're not going to get tagged and we'll have time to respond to it and you'll have time to back off and you're way safer for that. And she's realizing I, what I thought, what I expected, what I was thinking is I should be right on him. And he's actually going, I know more than you. I care about you. So I'm telling you, let's time it a little differently. You don't need to be right here right now. You need to actually take your time and be a little bit in, in behind. And what I learned through all of this as she was telling me all this, I said, it's kind of like our life with God is sometimes we want to tell him what to do and all of our assumptions are wrong. And we head into danger and someone goes, there's danger. And we lift our eye, eyeglasses and we, we we go and we get spit in the eyes, right? Because we rush in blindly. We don't know what we're doing. And, and even along the way, she said the guides were the ones that were responsible for feeding them every night. And they prepared all this really good food. But she said the longer that she was there, the guides learned what was best for them, what they liked to eat best and everything. So every night, the, the, the diet would get a little bit better. Oh, we know that you like these crackers better than these chips. Oh, we know that you like this type of a meat better than this type of meat. So she said it was amazing that everything just got better when she trusted them to prepare the food for her. But all of this, I was just thinking, this is us and God. That we go through life and we don't know what's out there, but we can trust him. And if we put our expectations out there and our assumptions, chances are we're gonna get bit by the world or we're gonna get beat up or we're gonna do, have, go through undue suffering. And all of these people that when they welcomed Jesus in, they had the wrong idea. But when they let God be God and what he did was he far exceeded all their expectations. And God wants to bless you here today. He wants to bless your life. He wants to bless you in this fast. But we got to be the type of people that can say, let's erase and get rid of our expectations. Let's just trust that there's a mighty God that loves us, that he can do anything he wants to do. And whatever he does is good because he loves us and he wants to give us the best life possible. And it might be a battle sometimes to get through to the blessing, but God's got it all in his, his control. Let's get rid of all expectations. Has this been a good word for you guys this morning? Let's pray and let's uh, get you out of here on this rainy Sunday morning. Father God, we love you so much. I pray, Father, that we would become that type of a, a, a church type of a people that is so reliant on you.
that, that our expectations would be only that you are good and whatever you need to do is gonna be good for us. Help us to get rid of all of our own control, all of our own timing, all of our own uh, inadequacies, or the, the whole I'm gonna do it my way type thing, Lord, we gotta let, let that stuff go. I pray, Lord, that in this fast right now as we just seek you, that we would be wide open, eyes full of faith, full of excitement, full of holy anxiety because we don't know what you're going to do, but man, it's going to be good. Lord, I pray that you would come through and you would bless us in that way. You would change us. And Lord, I also pray right now for anybody that maybe came to church this morning and you're not even close to God. You're not even at that place where you're really trusting him and letting him lead your life, but you want to be, that you know that the right place to be is, is in God's timing and in his perfect plan and in having the right heart towards him that's open to whatever he wants to do. If that's you this morning, I'd love to say a prayer with you that would bring you to a place where you're in a right relationship with God, where you know that he loves you, that he's got you, that he's forgiven you, that you're following him, and that he's your master, your father, your leader, your savior, your friend. And if that's you this morning, I'd love to say a prayer just to bring you to that place where you can know that you're a Christian. And maybe, maybe you're someone else in the room that's kind of like, you know, I kind of knew him before a long time ago, but man, I've wandered away. And it's time that I've got things straight again with him. I've rededicated my life and that I really came under his authority and his leadership in my life and his forgiveness and all that he offers. And so I want to say a prayer right now for those kind of people, people finding God for the first time, people coming back to God after a long time and just maybe you felt like you couldn't come back, but I'm telling you right now, you can. He's waiting for you. He wants you. He wants to move in your life. He wants to forgive you. He wants to get back to where you were before. So if that's you and you want to start a brand new life with Jesus Christ here today and be a Christian and to know what that means, I'm going to say a prayer out loud. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud in front of all these people. I'm going to ask that you would pray it in your heart of hearts to God who sees your heart and he will hold you accountable to this prayer in your heart. And so I'm going to pray the words out loud and you're just going to pray along with me in your heart. And after service, you can go tell other people that you prayed that prayer. But right now, it's just kind of a, a heart thing to say, God, I'm coming to you right now for the first time or I'm coming back after a long, long time away. And so if you want to pray that prayer, there's one thing that I would ask is, I'm, everybody's got their eyes closed and heads bowed, but in a minute, I'm just going to count to three. And the reason I count to three is on, on three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if you want to pray that prayer with me. I just want to know who I'm praying with. I'm just privileged and blessed to know who I'm able to pray this prayer with. And so real quickly, on the count of three, if you want to say this prayer and become a Christian or come back to God after a long time and rededicate, your heart to him. Um, on three, I just want you to raise your hand and then we'll pray together. You pray in your heart, I'll pray it out loud and God will change you from this moment on. So here we go, one, two, and three. Anybody here, keep your hand up, hold it up. I just wanna see, I see one person here, I see two over there, I see three, I see four. Uh, anybody else, I'm looking around, if I didn't see you, God saw you. Praise God, Lord. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for these people. Amen. I saw about four people. There may be more. But for those of you that did raise your hand, go ahead and put your hand down. And we're just going to pray this really quick. God, quick, powerful prayer. Here it is. I need you. I want you. Lord, I surrender my life to you. Lord, I believe that your son Jesus died on that cross. I believe it. I believe he died for all of my sin, shame, guilt, suffering, pain, loneliness, hurt, addictions, habits, all of that, Lord, I believe he died to pay the price for all of that in my life. Lord, I believe he rose again on the third day to prove that he is God, to prove that he conquered all that stuff in my life. So, Lord, I believe that. I receive that. I walk in that freedom right now. Lord, from this moment on, I recognize that I'm a child of God, that you're in my life, that I will stay close to you, that you will lead me, that you will guide me, that you will change my life. Lord, you have miraculous power through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I receive all that you have. Lord, do miracles in my life. I want your, your Holy Spirit moving in my life. Lord, I will read my Bible from this day forward. I want to get to know you. I want to go to church. I want to be surrounded with other Christians. I want to pray and learn to just talk to you, Lord. I want to be water baptized, Lord. Everything that you have for me, I am saying yes to from the bottom of my heart right here, right now. Lead me through this life and on into the next with you for all of eternity. Thank you for being my God. Thank you for, for calling me friend, for calling me your child. Lord, for all that you're going to do, I look forward to it excitedly, expectantly, Lord, and you do whatever you need to do. That's my only expectation. I trust you. Have your way in me and in my life. And the rest of the church, all excited together, we say amen and amen. Let's praise God for those people that prayed with us this morning.